Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. I guess one of the most interesting things is to learn that we're not quite as smart as we think we are. I'm not. Uh, This week really does let you know that the loopholes that we think about, I thought about, and active addiction are not original or anything someone hasn't done and thought of already. As we finish up step four, we make that last list. And this list is everything we didn't put on the other three lists. Uh Uh-oh, I guess we just found that loophole and we closed it. Why? because we are that actor that Charlie will talk about in this week's episode. We lie, we manipulate, we say anything to get what we want. I did an active addiction. I did it all the time. So this, this last list, that's the catch-all, people. That's it. Gotcha. And then we do something that's even harder. Step five. We talk to someone about it. This can be probably one of the most frightening parts of the whole process, but it doesn't have to be, because this is that final release of all the work that you've done so that you can now let it go and let God. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say in this week's episode. I'm going to now make a suggestion that you might want to take this sheet and draw a line across it, or you might want to make up an entirely different sheet. And now start making a list of all people you've harmed in any other way. Those we stole from, those we gossiped about, however we hurt other people. We get to step eight, it says we have the list, we made it, and we took step four. If we'll now list all those we've harmed in any other way, put down their name, put down what did we do to harm them, put down the part of self that was affected, put down the exact nature of the wrong, then whenever we get to step eight, we'll have our complete list. Also, the same in this inventory sheet as the others, we're doing step four at the present time, and out in the fourth column, you see the exact nature of the wrong we're gonna talk about to another human being. You see the defects of characters we're going to be willing to turn loose of in six. The shortcomings we're going to ask God to take away in seven. And quite naturally, everybody in column one will go on the list to be used for step eight and nine at a future date. So if we really do this inventory the way the book says to do it, we now have all the information we need for steps five, six, seven, and eight, and nine. So now then we can get right on with the rest of the program. And it really doesn't take very long as we begin to work our way through the rest of the steps. We've got all the information we need. So let's see now what we're gonna do with that information. Let's go to page 72. Chapter six, into action. This chapter is not called into thinking. (laughs) It's into action. And it says, having made our personal inventory, what should we do about it? 
Well, we've been trying to get a new attitude. Remember we came in here, or at least I did, with an old attitude of, I don't need God, nothing, nobody, and I was resentful, angry, fearful, hateful, and I harmed a lot of people full of guilt, shame, and remorse is the way I come in here. And I'm trying to get a new attitude and a new relationship with my Creator. See, I need to remember what I'm trying to do, too, too, because all these old ideas and these old thoughts and these old emotions is blocking me off from this new relationship with my Creator. And to discover the obstacles in our path, and what are the obstacles in my path? Resentment, fear, and the harms that I've done others. We have, admit, we have admitted certain defects. We've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak item, items in our inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. And those weak items in my inventory are the, all those things in column four. Now this requires action on our part, when, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding cap chapter. You know, I like that idea of being able to talk it over with another human being. See, I didn't feel like a human being when I got here, and I was able to talk it over with another human being, which is something good for me. You know, and I admitted to God for forgiveness and to myself for honesty and to another human being for humility. And that's what I'm trying to do in step five. I think, again, we need to look at a couple of words. In that uh, paragraph Joel just read, it says, This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we've admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. The step itself said the exact nature of our wrongs. But you'll notice here in the narrative, instead of using wrongs, he uses the word defects in step five. And again, people used to ask Bill about that. Bill, why did you use wrongs in the step and defects in the narrative? By the way, Bill, what's the difference between a wrong in step five, a defect in step six, and a shortcoming in step seven? The same two ladies tell us the same thing, that Bill would kind of smile and say, well, when I took English and writing courses in college, they told me if you use the same words over and over, it shows how dumb you are. You know, you know, you know, you know. He said, uh, <laughs> he said there's really no difference in them. He said in step four, we find those things that block us off from the sunlight of the Spirit. In step five, we talk about them to another human being. In step six, we become willing to turn them loose. And in step seven, we ask God to take them away. And he said, you can call them anything you want to. A wrong, a fault, a mistake, a defect, a shortcoming, a personality flaw. And if you'll notice on the next two or three pages as we go on through the steps, this is exactly what he does. I followed it up, went into the 12 and 12. He does the same identical thing in the 12 and 12. He just uses these words interchangeably back and forth. We're convinced that in his mind, they all meant the same thing. Now this is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. He did it again right there. We think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first 
If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. That's about as good a reason as I can think of. But he uses the rest of that page and all of page 73 to explain why we may not overcome drinking if we don't do step five. 73, first paragraph. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. <coughs> to the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation that knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. You know, it really doesn't make any sense, but we alcoholics will go to a psychiatrist, pay them $100 an hour, lay down on the couch, and lie to them the whole hour we're laying there. You know, let's face it. We have become the world's greatest con artist. You have to be. If you're going to be a practicing alcoholic, you better learn how to lie. You better learn how to cheat. You better learn how to steal. You better learn how to con. You better learn how to manipulate. You just can't exist as an alcoholic if you don't develop those kind of skills. Now, let's face it. If you've been doing that for 10, 15, 20, or 30 years, when you do your step four, you're as honest with yourself as you can possibly be. But let's face it, we just can't hardly be honest with ourselves. We saw what we did with resentments. We saw how we used resentments to transfer blame to other people. And if you've been doing that all your life, all of a sudden you just can't hardly be honest with yourself. I did the best I could in step four. Now then I need to take my step four to another human being one who's walked this walk before me, one who understands four and five according to the book, one who knows what I'm trying to see, and let him help me see those things I can't see about me. And it's amazing sometimes how that works out. You know, as they look at these sheets that we filled out, they're looking at them from an outside view. They can see it honestly. They're not involved in it. We simply can't see the truth out of it about them. This is where I really learned that I'm not oversexed, that I was under secure. In one place I said this was caused by the sex instinct. He said, oh, no, no, you're just trying to build your self-esteem here. Another one I said this was caused by fear, and he said, oh, no, this is, this is plain damn dishonesty. That's all this is. And he helped me see things that I absolutely could not see. That's the real purpose of five. Now, I know confession is good for the soul. I know we're going to feel better when we get through, when we've admitted these things to God, ourselves, and another human being. But the real purpose is to extract all the honest information we can about me out of my step four, because I'm getting ready to start on the removal of those things. And I need to be as sure as I possibly can that the things I'm going to try to remove are the things that I ought to be trying to remove. Step five 
is very helpful in that area. I don't want to be too joking and say that the fifth is kind of like that old Alka-Seltzer commercial, you know, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. But really, in a way, it is. Oh, my goodness. You've spent all this time writing down all the things and trying to understand where all of those issues came from. And then you talk to someone about it. And they get clarity. They can give you insight that even writing it down can't give you because, as Charlie mentioned, sometimes what you thought was just a fear is downright dishonesty. So you need another party to give you the honest review of what you wrote down so that you can complete the process and let it go. And that's how we stop being that actor. That's how we learn that the lying and the manipulation isn't needed. So, I hope you enjoyed this key episode, because this is a turning point. By now, our change is occurring. We've cleared the decks. We've got our lists ready for 8 and 9 and 10. But now, we can take a little bit of time to quietly contemplate what we have done. That will be in part of next week's episode, but... I am of the opinion that step six is one of the most important moments of the whole program. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week. This is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie Podcast.